welcome back to the Running and Gunning podcast. I appreciate you all tuning in. I'm psyched for today's podcast. This is episode number two with your hosts, Justin Sinan and Logan Sandburn. What's up? We are uh, we're pumped for today. Honestly, uh, it's been a it's been a cool week, man. I don't know. Um, I know you're still curing your foot and everything, um, but <laughs> man, I've been putting in I've been putting in a lot of work this week. Like honestly, probably the most I've ever done uh, as far as early season goes. And uh, yeah, I, I've seen it. Yeah, I am. I'm stoked, man. Honestly, I'm so ready for season to get here. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the time to to really make your money. Um, where you want to hunt, where you like different properties and stuff like that, and to really hone down on um, if you're going to hunt a specific buck, which most of the season, um, then now's the time to find them. That's right. Yeah, it would be great to tell you that I have one on camera. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't yet. I don't have a deer that's that's quite at the caliber. I've got some great young deer. Uh, I'm really excited to see what the future holds for them. But um, yeah, right now, uh, it's, it's you know, I'm I'm not gonna say it's depressing, but uh, it, it's kind of getting to me a little bit. We are literally a month away from season for us here in Kentucky, and um, it's crunch time, man. It is crunch time. Uh, so let's get into today's today's uh, podcast, which we are going to talk about putting in the work beforehand to make this season the best. And uh, I know you are all about putting in the work. We know if you don't know, Logan is an extremely fit guy. He's a he's a <laughs> personal health coach, and uh, he's actually helped me. Uh, that's kind of how we started talking and. I feel like we talk more about hunting than we do uh, fitness and stuff like that, but he's a, he's an awesome guy. And uh, you recently kind of started doing that stuff too. Uh, am I wrong? You, you, you're open for uh, helping people out now on your, uh, on your side. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to make the transition um, out of law enforcement and into the fitness uh, and nutrition world. And so I'm doing nutrition coaching and, um, I'm really trying to focus on outdoorsmen, on hunters, um, men or women, um, people who are really trying to up their game and get better so that they can better enjoy the outdoors, um, better enjoy the pursuit of game, just be able to do more um, and do it longer. That's one of the biggest things is, um, you know, as we start to get a little bit older and whatnot, like our game, we have to change our game, right? Like, maybe go from a little less mobile, a little more static. And um, that's what I want to try and help people with is longevity and creating a sustainable uh, style that will make them healthier. That's what I've lived for myself. And I try and be the example, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier. When I, I did a 20 K on the concept two bike earlier today, trying to get ready for Colorado and building some endurance. Um, which, you know, I'm working around this uh, torn Achilles. It's been a pain. With the cameras and stuff, I can't get out and, you know, just run around the woods like I want to. Um, and so I'm right there with you. I don't have uh, have any pictures of anything I'm <laughs> to get my hopes up yet, but uh, I'm, I'm, some work, I'm still working on it. It's and all we'll, good. We'll man. talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> you're good. You're gonna get one. Don't worry. And I mean, heck, you're going to, you're going to Colorado anyway. So, I mean, you know, you got what like just a few days of season before you leave for Colorado, right? Yeah, it'll probably be about a week. Um, okay. Because it's the the third. I think we're leaving. Plan on maybe around the tenth. Um, the, around then, and so yeah, I. I don't know if I'm going to get out um, out there beforehand. I, I think that at least this, um, it's not not as fun to be out there the of September in Kentucky. It's <laughs> it's yeah. hot. There's bugs. Yeah. It is man. I know. Last year, I on some of those hunts, I wore a tank top. Like that's a, and <laughs> you know how I, I walked to the tree wearing a tank top and my pants and ended up uh, sweating a, a good amount. And I I really had to play the wind on those days. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know I'll be on the stench. Oh, for sure, man. I, honestly, like I get it. I, I feel like there was a couple of days last year where I was just like, I'm not going out in this heat. Like it was like 90, like at least 90 here with humidity. And I was like, I've got over a mile walk <clears throat> just to go where I need to be. And, you know, I did do it a couple of times. And honestly, what I would do is just, I would bring my hunting like shirt with me in my pack. And then I would take a normal like t-shirt that I had and I would wear that walking in and I would take off my t-shirt and put it in a Ziploc bag and try to isolate a little bit of the stench and then, you know, zip it up in my bag. Um, I think it helped a little bit. I mean, I had does like all around me. Uh, now granted they were like, you know, upwind of me. So there's that, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Kentucky is, it is really hot in the early season, but you know, the, uh, the rewards are there. I mean, if you want to yeah. kill a giant buck in velvet, it is a it is a heck of a state to do it. So, yeah, yeah. especially this year. I think I think next year it's going to roll back, and uh, I think it's supposed to anyways, and be a week later. Oh, really? Yeah, at least I think so. Just because of the way the dates fall um, and everything, I think like this is the the year to do it for sure. I mean, you, yeah. you're looking at September third. Right. So Usually they come out I of mean, elk like the ninth, I would say, like from my experience, yeah. you know, a lot of them come out around like the eighth to 10th or so. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing I was really excited uh, to try and kill a velvet buck. Cause for one, it would be awesome. Cause then whatever, you know, I would love to, my other goal for this year is to try and kill a good buck out of state. So that would take a ton of pressure off of me. Number one. And then I also have the uh, the Kentucky elk hunt, you know, in the end of December. So right, that would that would be pretty awesome. Um, you know, I'm not throwing in the towel. I mean, I've got I've got probably about ten to twelve cameras to check. So, you know, the chances are I ought to have something. At least I'm praying I'll have something decent to go after. But if I mean, it doesn't we're happen, at, you know, yeah, I mean, we're looking at. You know, they're going to start shifting probably uh, – I'd give it like two weeks, I think, two and a half weeks uh, yeah. before they re- they start to, you know, go from that summer range and transition into that fall range uh, where most of them are, you know, 
going to go to the place, lose the velvet and they're going to stay there. And I think that's, that's where you're really going to start catching them on camera. Cause I mean, you're not the, the places that you're putting cameras, the places that I put cameras, the, the spots where they're going to be not where they're at right now. I agree. Um, and, and that's kind of the cool thing about being a little bit ahead of the game, like getting your cameras out, you know, mid July. Uh, I, I've always been like a, a beginning of July is when I really start putting cameras out. I know some guys do all year. And in some cases I will leave cameras out all year if I really want to learn something. But um, it's one of those things I feel like, it's good to let your cameras soak for a little bit. Sometimes you'll have a buck that hangs out there all year long. Um, but other times, you know, you have those new, new bucks that seem to show up. It seems like right at the end of August. Um, I've, since I've lived here in Kentucky, uh, both, you know, I'm only going off of two years experience here, but uh, I've had some of the biggest bucks that I've had on camera have been right there at the end of August. They show up and they seem to hang out till, you know, the transition into the rut. Um, And it may just be the locations that I have. I mean, this year I've got cameras on a lot more public land um, in the woods, not really on like ag fields. Um, So it's, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, we both know right now your best chances are going to be like in a bean field or, you know, something like that. But if you can't hunt a bean field, you know, what do you, what are you supposed to do? Right. I mean, that's, that's my, my key point is we put our cameras on, you know, whether it's scrapes or transitions or um, heavily used fields or pinch point or not fields, uh, heavily used trails uh, or pinch points or these other feet aren't, you know, a food source or a, uh, you know, a corn pile or some, something else that they're going to be attracted to that, you know, is almost going to guarantee a picture i think it's more you've got to wait for the like the that deer is going to only going to pass by that camera at the right time um, exactly and I so agree 100%. Especially, especially with all the cameras that we put out on public that's definitely it's it's harder to do um because you've got to find those spots where they're going to be and um especially with as much pressure as a lot of the public around both of us gets those deer moving around constantly. Um, oh, for sure. I, I had a good talk or I was talking with a buddy of mine, you know, not that long ago. And he was like, man, he's like, uh, have one of those moments today. He said, I went to go check my cameras and, uh, you know, and, and this, this buddy of mine puts in a lot of work. Um, so I'll, I'll give him that. And he's like, dude, you wouldn't believe it. These guys, doctored up all the scrapes that I had already, you know, he had doctored them up months ago and, and, you know, and earlier in the season, just cause he's like that. He's a, a 365 day kind of hunter. And he's like, they put big old ropes over all these scrapes. And uh, he's like, they got a mineral pile about 10 yards away. I'm like, Oh man, like that's a bummer. <laughs> I, and I feel like, you know, that's, it's public land. What do you, you know, what do you do? Tell that guy to, you know, to go beat it. I mean, you can't, it's just, it's part of the game. I mean, it's going to happen to all of us eventually, but it's tough. And I think that like, that's one of, that's a whole nother topic in and of itself is. Oh, for sure. With with public land. Um, 
but I mean, as far as like putting in the work, that's a requirement. If that's, if that's the property that you're going to hunt and you know, like it gets any amount of pressure, like what I get up here. And I mean, I'm not sure what, uh, like, obviously we're not gonna, gonna talk about on here. What, uh, yeah, what we're property we're, we're yeah, hunting, but, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, I think like the amount of work obviously that you put in right now, um, is equate to your success down the road and you won't see it pay off probably, you know, maybe in September or whatever. And like when we were at the mobile hunter roadshow, I know Jake Bush was talking about some of the stuff with him putting up cameras on, um, on acorns and whatnot, like white Oak flats and stuff like that. And those deer aren't going to be there until like, you know, a couple weeks into September when they do finally transition and make that, or I guess make the hard transition into that fall range. And then that it's the time to strike is right there. Like that transition from September to October. Um, and they change food. Like that's, those are the key times that right now you figure out where those places are and you're prepped and ready to go you can attack when the time's right yeah amen i, I agree 100 percent with that i mean it it's you know and he's got the proof to uh the proof's in the pudding you know what i mean it, right. it is what it is but um yeah let's get into uh let's get into this uh the nitty-gritty here i think i wanted to start off with uh one of my biggest things that i think i've I've actually had a hard time with this when I was younger, but was getting out of my comfort zone and um, starting to try to look at deer hunting a little bit differently. And, you know, whether that's, you know, looking at new property that's close by you or driving an hour, figuring out like where you need to be at or just building up a, you know, an inventory of spots. I think, you know, if you look at it as a, as a fisherman or almost like a trapper, like they all have a vast array of places that they put traps or they put their, you know, their fishing spots. And the more you have, the more of a chance you have of finding a deer or the caliber that you want to kill. Um, I mean, where, like for you, like, where were you at when you started like, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone? I mean, have you always been doing that and like assessing yourself differently or did you um, find yourself go, like falling into that trap kind of like where you. With hunting, it's definitely been, I had, I had a hard transition or like a, I guess a turning point, whatever you want to call it. Um, a couple of years ago when I finally, you know, decided to get down out of that ladder stand and move. Um, and, you know, I decided like hunting over a corn pile ever waiting for a deer to walk by wasn't for me. Um, you know, I wanted to attack and get mobile and go find the deer. And so I think, I think that that was like, it wasn't my comfort zone cause I didn't know what I was doing. So Right. Obviously, obviously I'm, you know, not comfortable with that. 
and like I was always taught, you know, that always leaving scent in the woods and walking through the woods and like deer will run and any stick break sound and like you're just gonna spook everything out. Um and like the deer are never gonna come back because you left your scent everywhere, like all that kind of stuff. Um the tradition like I guess deer hunting uh wives tales. Like that's that's what I grew up with and that's what I thought that it everything was and I realized that it that was all kind of a bunch of crap and so my I got out of my comfort zone by walking through the woods and searching for you know the the stuff that I needed to be looking for um whether that was sign or you know terrain features beds like all that different kind of stuff um wasn't what I was used to like right it was more of a sit and field edge and wait for them to come out kind of a, a game. Um, and so I wasn't comfortable like jumping deer. I always thought that was like, I would always get like a sick feeling when I would either get blown at or, you know, I hear one take off while I'm walking through the woods. Like uh, it's one of those things like what it's, you think that that doe that's blown at you is going to go, uh, you know, tell the buck that you're after, like, hey, he's he's over here, like, go the <laughs> other way, like, no, yeah. that's not that's not how it works, right? Um, right. So when I finally like realized that that's what I needed to do, and um, to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in that situation, I, I've definitely made leaps and bounds in in learning uh, terrain and learning just to be a woodsman and yeah and figure things out on my own um if that i mean if that all makes sense like no yeah a hundred percent i mean you you fail your way to success i mean you hear that in all kinds of different you know that could be a totally a a term for so many things but you know it's totally true you know with what we're talking about i know i know when when i was younger i mean you were talking about like beds and you know for me like when I was younger and first kind of like getting in the game, all I really focused on was like rubs and scrapes. And I didn't really have anybody, you know, back then we didn't really have like the podcasts out and we didn't really have like, we have magazines, you know, and like a little bit of YouTube here and there. But um, it was really more just about like trying to find, I, I really looked for places where uh, other people weren't going and trying to figure out like even if I could find a place where no one was allowed to hunt and I would try to get on the border of that and see like where I could find places like that I feel like I've always I've always had really good luck finding like niche areas that people overlook um that's what I did when I hunted suburban a lot and you know I my success rate went way up and then it was basically just trying to figure out what kind of way I was going to try to approach hunting a certain area because, you know, like some of these places were super thick with like, you know, pines and cedars and stuff. So I was like mobile on the ground. Like I would walk around with my bow and a ghillie suit and it taught me a ton, man, because like I was covering ground. Number one, number two, it was just a, it was a really cool way to hunt. And I, yeah, like I totally boogered, more situations than I, you know, had success in, but it 
told me I learned a lot about like where bigger deer like to hang out. And I guess the more that you put yourself out there, the more you actually go out in the woods and you're, you know, doing stuff before, whether you're bumping deer or finding deer and not bumping them, you're learning like, okay, well, you know, I saw a good deer over here. Well, why was he there? You know, what was going on? What, what was the reason he was there? Was he, bedded nearby and and honestly like it didn't I didn't pay any attention I think until to like bedding until probably the past like maybe four or five years ago um and that's you know that it really helped out a lot because I started focusing on and thinking of like from a deer's aspect like why they bed in a certain area or what they're trying to do but I mean when you when you get down to the nitty-gritty it's just about like just throwing yourself out in the woods and, and you, you know, you get a feel for it, man. Like not overthinking things. I mean, yeah, just, I mean like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like uh, being out in the woods right now, scouting around and stuff is one of the best times to find that big deer. I mean, like bumping them, uh, you know, in the middle of the day, he's not really, he's not. No, they, people think yeah. that that even on like public land, you jump, you know, a big buck eyes on them. Like cameras are just a tool that right. smart deer tend to avoid and so like it's hard to get pictures of good deer just because that's they they become especially like on public and stuff they become accustomed to picking cameras out of trees and kind of stuff and so the best way to do it is to get eyes on them and um so bumping them out of their bed or even just you know if they're up on their feet already and and you can see them and bump them. I mean, that's, they're not going to go to the next County. You know, no, they go to, up. they go to that secondary cover. I mean, and yeah. honestly right now is a killer time to bump them because I mean, I bumped a couple bucks, you know, like this week and I, you know what they did? They ran like 50 yards and looked back at me. So yeah. it's like, and I've had big deer do that. Like granted, this wasn't like a giant buck or anything like that, but it's a doe and a buck and they both got up and they ran about 50 yards, a hundred yards and like looked back at me and I glassed them and I'm like, well, you know, if that was a big buck, that would, I would have been like game set match, baby. Like we're putting this right. camera on the right over there and I'll, uh, I'll be back to check it. But yeah. I mean, and it, I, you know, it is what it is. It's just like, like you said, it's just scouting The the more that you're out there, the more you're going to learn. I'm not saying like just, go nuts and you know be methodical about it if you can when you enter a piece of woods look on your look on your uh you know whether you use hunt stand or whatever wind app you're using try to put yourself in the woods so you can walk in and the wind's in your face you know what i'm saying it it definitely helps out i think um because then you're you're gonna bump that deer when you're closer to them and you got a way better chance of seeing them especially if you can be somewhat quiet when you're walking yeah i mean that's it's just crazy like all like you've said the the wives tales of all the old traditions that have been passed down and passed down that just aren't true (laughs) yeah we you know we've we've come to figure out like it's um it's a whole different ball game and so many of the basically you thought you couldn't do that were like the big no's in the woods things that will help you find those big deer Um, right and it's pretty crazy like to be honest uh 
But one of the other things that I was going to talk about is like that applying the um, your comfort zone and stuff. I mean, that's to me one of the reasons why like I work out so hard is it's I like to challenge myself and that is where I get out of my comfort zone every single day. Um, yeah. Is when I, is when I'm working out and it makes things so much easier when I'm in the woods and I get myself into happy situation, which I tend to do. I just, I find the thick, uh, most, <laughs> the hardest stuff to maneuver through. And I end up in the middle of it somehow every single time. Um, and I think that like, pushing yourself outside or outside of uh, the woods and in the gym and that kind of stuff really prepares you mentally for, for those, that kind of adversity. Um, and so that you can, you know, take a step back be like, all right, you know, I've been uh, in worse situations and you can just right. you know, figure stuff out. And like, because getting yourself into the middle and trying to find, you know, find the path of least resistance. Get out. That's never fun, especially when you're yeah. already and there's mosquitoes. Um, and you know, you got cameras to hang, and you're just like, I just need, I want to get out of here. Um, oh yeah, like that's that's where choosing to get out of your comfort zone uh, on other occasions applies big time um, because you're you're mentally tougher and can handle that stuff with relative ease. And yeah, I, I mean, that's one of my biggest things is just like fitness. Isn't just about your body. It it trains your mind and stuff too. And training the last couple of years to go to Colorado has definitely upped my ability to be mobile in the whitetail woods because the mountains of (laughs) the West are, uh, a lot tougher than the hills of Kentucky. That's for sure. So, oh yeah, doing that stuff sure. that's yeah, doing stuff that's tough uh, makes your perspective grow so much that the the stuff that you used to hard is no longer hard. And I think that that is you know something that people should implement in their lives uh, right now. You know, we've got a month for us, at least until season. So a lot of places it's longer than that. And that's plenty of time, you know, to get. No, couple, I agree. Couple, in a week and, and really, you know, ramp yourself. Like it's now's the time. If you haven't been doing anything to, to really start getting after it and take care of yourself. Um, Cause like, especially with being mobile and getting around the woods, your body's your vehicle. And if it's not in shape, you're going to have a tough time, you know, doing the things that you want to do. So that's Damn my, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for get, coming to my Ted talk. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, short, short plug for Logan. If you're looking to get in shape, <laughs> holler at him. Um, cause I can vouch, I, honestly, like, you know, from last year, you know, I think I'm down like 20 pounds now and just the amount of walking that I, cause I've done a couple of these trips last year, you know, with scouting and stuff in the same areas. And it is like night and day difference. Like there, 
like I still got plenty of gas in the tank. Like, even though I'm sweating in 90 degrees, like I just know looking at it, I'm like, I'm fired up for the rut because there's times previously where I'm like, man, I am out of gas. Like I don't really have what it takes to go over that next Ridge, you know what I mean? And then come back and, but now it's just like, all right, well, I want to go on the other side and just venture, you know, like prime example, like there's a a big hill and I'm like, I think I'm going to set up on like the upper third of this hill. And then I'm like, well, I'm scouting. Like, what do do I have to lose? Let me just go up here on top of this hill. And like, I found huge rubs from last year, found nice scrapes, like an old primary scrape. I mean, tree limbs that are just chewed to crap. And um, I was stoked. And I was like, you know, this has a lot to do with fitness, honestly. Like, and I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh yeah, you, you know, you have to run like a 10k to to whitetail hunt. Like, I don't care. I'm not saying everybody has to like be in like peak physical condition, but you definitely, if you want to do this, it will only benefit you to do some kind of like, you know, cardio exercise, like even light cardio. It just makes such a difference. Um, in your whole, your whole game, just having a little bit extra endurance, having a little bit extra strength. You got, we both know, like, I know you're going to laugh at this, but we, we constantly hear people bitch online about, Oh, well, well, this setup is like, you know, that's, that's uh, two pounds heavier. That's like, Oh, well this weighs six (laughs) ounces. Like, dude, lose two pounds. You, You can lose five pounds. Like if you quit drinking soda and, uh, I mean like just simple stuff, like, I lost, yeah. uh, you know, with, with what I lost, it's like, that was about my whole weight or my whole setup weight just about like 20 to 23 pounds or whatever. Um, that's, that's crazy and, to think about, isn't it? Yeah. It's nuts, dude. I was just like, I was just blown away by that because I, I got a scale finally just to like, you know, for some of the YouTube videos and stuff like that, just to, you know, I was curious what, what some of my stuff weighs. And I was like, damn, like <laughs> I lost that much weight this year. That's pretty wild. And I feel like I could have done better. Like, I'm not a perfect person. Um, You know, it's not like you have to, I know you're, you know, fitness is like number one for you. I feel like you're, you do it every day. I'm more like the four times a week or, you know, or so like, I'm not, I'm not stressing about it, but I'm happy with where I'm at. You know, you take each day with, with a grain of salt and you, you know, you just, you do it as much as you can. It's hard it's hard when you're a dad and you're running a business and, you know, we've all got struggles, but making fitness at least like at least three days a week, I think it really helps out, but I don't want to, I don't want to make the whole podcast about fitness. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, no, (laughs) I, I agree. I mean, you're, you've done an awesome job and you've worked super hard to get where you're at and um, the results are going to show for sure. And I'm excited to, to watch it happen. Uh, I appreciate your help too. I will say that. So let's dive into uh, practicing. Obviously fitness is one thing, but I would say another major thing, if you really want to make this season your best, shoot your damn bow um, and shoot it a lot. We're, we're a month out. A lot of people don't pick up their bow till, you know, a couple weeks before season. I'm telling you right now, go get your bow, at least shoot 10 arrows a day. If you, you know, if you got it in you, just just make it a thing like make it a priority to shoot your bow because uh it's just it's a form thing i mean the more you shoot when that deer comes in man it scrambles a lot of guys brains um and 
just having that form and practicing from your setups is another major thing. Um, I mean, do you have any, anything like any crazy, I know you shoot your bow a ton. I know that, but yeah. Um, and I do some, yeah, like workouts mixed with shooting my bow and stuff like that. And that's mainly for like Western style, I guess, hunting, but I mean, it's, it obviously carries over. Um, I do need to practice more from my setup, um, shooting from an elevated position and, um, working around a tree and that kind of stuff is something that I haven't practiced, uh, too much. And, but like you, you said 10 arrows and that's a good amount. Like that, I honestly, if I go out and shoot, like that's about as much as I shoot, but even if you're only going to go out and shoot one arrow, it only takes one, right? That's <laughs> no, I, I agree. With that's that. the whole, make that, that's make like, if you're going to do the bare minimum, go out, shoot one arrow, like, because that's the one that counts. And you're going to be able to immediately see those results of if you've been putting in the work or not, like, is that arrow where you wanted it or is it not where you wanted it? And if it's not like, that's all right. there is to it. Um, and you're absolutely right. Repetition is what is going to be the key to when that deer walks in, you don't even have about it. Your body knows what to do and it will do exactly the same thing that you've done thousands and thousands of times. If you've practiced it, if you haven't practiced it, who knows what it's going to do. <laughs> right. There's, there's uh, nothing worse out there than you putting in the work and getting the opportunity. And then you fail because something stupid happened with your bow. And I mean, it, it could be something as simple as like, you know, you not paying attention to your rest being off a little bit or like just dumb stuff. I mean, I know, um, I've, I've had a couple friends of mine just, you know, that, don't really practice that much and they take their bow out and they, they didn't realize like, you know, that their, their knock was, you know, a little bit off here or like their rest. One guy, uh, the cable on his rest, like didn't, wasn't, uh, it got bumped off there. Right. So he, he went to draw his bow back on a deer and shot his arrow through his rest. Like the QAD did not like actually pull down like the cable. Yeah. So, I mean, just little stuff like that. Just, whatever get out there shoot your bows um that's one major thing i mean i know the other major thing is finding new property um i i've been trying to find some new properties uh i kind of i'm hoping fingers crossed i I may have a new property i've got to do a little bit more digging on it um you know i had a a friend of mine say something about it but we got to go talk to the guy in person and um see if that's actually the case, but you know, scouting for new property is one of the biggest things. Like you talk to any of these guys that they kill deer on the regular, they're constantly looking for new property, whether it's public or private. Yeah. I, that's the only way you're going to find deer, right? Like there's a, a certain amount that can live in, you know, the places that you have permission, whether it's public or private or whatever, there's a, only a certain amount of deer that are going to live there and if there's not a big one or there's not you know at least a big enough one that you're going after then you're going to have to find somewhere else and that's I do need to work on that myself uh, on 
being com- and that's <laughs> goes right back to what you're talking about about getting out of your comfort zone is going up and talking to people and you know what's the like the saying goes right the what's the worst that could happen they say no like yeah or pull a gun on you the- i mean you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true but i guess that's possible uh, you know yeah but as long as you're you know cool and approachable you're you should be right you should be fine. Uh, Learn how to feel people. There's there's plenty right. of information out there, guys. If you're really like interested in uh, knocking for doors, there's tons of information out there for uh, figuring out how to do it. Um, whether it's writing letters or talking to people, I mean, just networking can be huge. I know around where I live, we're in kind of like a podunk town a little bit, and um, around here, I feel like it's all who you know. Uh, I've got friends of mine that have lived here their whole lives and and they've all told me the same thing. It's like, uh, yeah, we, it really comes down to who, you know, and you know, if, uh, if you're a good dude and you're out there and you want to help people, you know, that can be one of the best ways to do it. Offer your services. Uh, if you see somebody's yards messed up and you do landscaping, well, I mean, offer them, you know, to help them out with stuff. I mean, a fence, like, what, whatever it may be, uh, you know, I'm just throwing that out there as an example. But some of these people that you might be really worried to go knock on their door could be the coolest people and you guys could, could make a relationship. I know when I, you know, hunted Suburban, I, I made some good relationships with some of these people and we would never have anything in common besides I was taking care of deer on their property. So you never know who you might be able to reach out there and, and help out. And um, whether it's, even if it's suburban or if it's a farm, I mean, you know, don't discount suburban property. It's a great thing to go out there and you can fill your freezer up and you're not pressuring any of your properties. If you got good deer on them, you know, it's, it's a great way to go out and have fun. You take it for what it is. Um, You helping people and you're killing deer. If you want to get proficient at killing deer, you got to kill deer. I mean, and by my, my opinion, kill does. Because, you know, it's it's just one of those things. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I talked to a couple guys and they're like, oh, well, I haven't killed a doe in a while. And I'm like, well, why not? You know, you, you need to, man. It's, it's a good thing. There's no better practice than shooting a, a old doe because some of them old does are, you know, more weary than the bucks. So just being able to draw back on a deer and understand, you know, the the psychology of a deer when you can read they're calm and you can get away with it you know if you're at that point you know it helps it definitely helps out a lot i mean that goes right back to what we're talking about is practicing um getting the reps in and that's exactly what that is is just practice reps um with with a pretty decent benefit of you know a full freezer that's right and i think that like i know for me um, I do a lot of online scouting and stuff. Uh, I spend a lot of time I use on X and I just look like around my house or, you know, going to the gym, I'm looking at different properties, looking, you know, at the fields and farms and stuff side of the road, trying to figure out who owns this and who owns that. And what is this, you know? I see all these trees right here. Well, what's behind that? And like, does the same people own that? Or I'm always trying to figure stuff out and 
look for new places, but my hang up is always going to Naskin. Like yeah. I always find find these places. I'm like, dang, that looks like a good spot. And then I'm like, uh, uh, maybe maybe if I can't find a deer, I'll go. You know, I'll go ask them later. And there's no reason why I can't just go have that conversation. Um, and it's it's just one of those things. Like it, it's just talking to people and. It can be fun. I know that in the past, um, I had a permission property that I was hunting and the deer that I was seeing was over the fence. And so I went to the neighbor's house and I knocked on the door and I chatted with him for like an hour and a half. And he ended up giving me permission to hunt the property. And every time, you know, we chat and had a good time and uh, made a, a new friend. Like that's, it, it goes like deeper than hunting, right? It's making connections with people and, you know, you kind of feel better about yourself um, after having those sort of interactions. I don't know what it is, but I know that at least I, I feel that way. Um, yeah. I mean, it, like it's, it's just the fact of stepping out of your comfort zone. I, and then you're like, it's just, you know, like doing, if you're scared to go on a roller coaster and you go on a roller coaster and you're like, man, that was a ton of fun. I don't know what I was so scared of. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe, it's just, maybe it's just me, but um, yeah, it can be kind of intimidating too. I used to knock on some millionaires houses and um, that was, that was really intimidating. Like, cause you know, <laughs> these people are not hunters number one, but honestly, like, I mean, people are people, man, like whatever, you know, if you have a problem with me at your door, you're either a not going to answer the door or B uh, tell me to leave. And it's like, Hey, I would always start the conversation off with, Hey, I'm sorry to bother you. I'm not trying to sell you anything, um, here. And then I would get into my spiel. And I think a lot of people like have a hard time, like breaking that barrier. Like the first contact you have with somebody at their door, like, Hey, um, my name is Justin, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to bow hunt. No, it's like started off with like, Hey, sorry to bother you not here to not here to sell you anything um you know i saw your property that a lot of times like that's where i started off and it's like hey like i know there's a deer problem in the area um especially for those kind of people because you know there's a deer problem like there's no denying it so it's a lot harder for them to say no yeah they're uh those deer are probably eating the landscaping they paid you know a couple couple grand for oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I think like, you're absolutely right. Like you don't have to, I don't know. It's for me, my hang up is just like that initial, like bump of getting there and like, I, I, just making the decision to go. Um, and now you're making, bad about it because like <laughs> I, have good. These, I have all these uh, markers on onyx of like houses that i need to go uh all right so to. set a set a goal for yourself go knock on 10 doors and and don't stop until you knock on 10 doors or set okay. a goal to get permission and don't stop until you get permission it's that simple i mean yeah it yeah, sounds great right it sounds really really easy but i mean you know <laughs> it's just doing it it is what it is I have faith right. in you. You'll get it done. Yeah. It's, it's a, one of those, like, 
<laughs> when I was growing up, my dad always made me do the stupidest stuff. Like whenever we would get, you know, pizza on a Friday night, he'd make me call Domino's or Pizza Hut or whatever and like order the pizza. When I was like 12 years old um, or like when I would go and ask my dad for homework or for help with my homework, like he would literally look up the answer in my textbook and then he would tell me like what chapter it's in and I would have and at the time, like, I asked that, um, you know, I was like, why can't you just give me the answer? Why can't you just, you know, do this yourself or whatever? Like, I'm asking for your help, that kind of stuff. And then now looking back on it, it's like, okay, those were some good life lessons. Yeah. Um, and this is the, that stuff, like learning to, to be able to uh, use these skills, like, just I mean simple communication skills and like um understanding people like that kind of stuff is is definitely an asset and like it is difficult to have a conversation with new people like a complete stranger right you walk up knock on somebody's door um and we're going way down this rabbit hole but like we are <laughs> like we're, we're we're literally talking about introverted people and extroverted oh, I know. people yeah but, but I mean like especially us as as mobile run and gun hunters who consider ourselves like that lone wolf type of reality, it's it's difficult to do that kind of stuff. And but like right now in this part of the season, you know, those people like being an asset to the to the people that you're talking to is one of the other things that I was gonna mention. Like you made a good point about, you know, if that they need help with this or that, or you like be or offer them something in return. Like you can't yeah. just walk up and be like, Hey, would you mind if I, uh, hunted on your property this year? Um, right. You know, right. Be and what, and if it's a farmer, I mean, how many people offer a farmer help? Whether right. you got to go get your hands dirty for a weekend or two, you know, like bailing hay. I mean, whatever it may be, man. How bad do you want it? Really? Yep. At the end of the day, like, do you really want it? I mean, what are you willing to sacrifice for it? At the end of the day, like a lot of times, at least what I've experienced when I ask that, they're like, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'll hit you up for some help sometime, whatever. But I don't think I need anything right now. But, you know, if you want to come out here and hunt, like, uh, you know, I don't care. That, but right. That's usually like the, you know, the answer that um, ends up coming out. But it's like you at least offered and they it's you're making like more of a personal connection with them. Um, and you're not just like requesting something you're you're willing to give in return. And um, I think that that's something that a lot of people like even when they, you know, walk up with the, the liability form, like from the state or whatever, you know what I'm right. talking about that people print mm -hmm. off. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that too, by the way, uh, having no. something like that can really help you out in the long scheme of things. Cause yeah, a lot but, of people are afraid of that, you know? Yeah. But like, it's, you know, it can't be just the one, like you've got to, um, you've got to kind of got to show them that you're who you are. And especially for guys like us, like 
specifically just bow hunting, like that's a huge thing, like asset to, to let people know, like, Hey, you know, I only bow hunt. Um, I don't, I'm not leaving any stands up. You know, I take my stand in and out with me every time. Like those sort of things, like being, being mobile is a great benefit um, to them as well as you. So for sure. For sure. Yeah. That, I mean, to, told me a lot. I, I will say that. And, and I mean, honestly, if you look at it as a farm perspective too, a lot of farmers want deer dead. Um, and yeah. you know, most people that hunt, I know around here, there's way more gun hunters than bow hunters. So the way they see it is like, Hey, number one, I don't have to worry about a stray bullet. Number two, um, this guy's probably going to kill some deer like when nobody else is killing deer. And when you actually, when you show a farmer that you're capable of killing deer, man, I mean, they're happy with you. I mean, I, I know from experience for me, like I have one farm that I hunt and a lot of the other hunters, like they're not interested in shooting a doe. Like all they want to do is shoot a buck. So I went out of my way and, and filled, I tried to fill all my tags last year, uh, you know, with does and, you know, I think it makes a big difference. Like they're happy that you're, you're doing something like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do anything for them to help them out, but like, you know, make some jerky and stuff like that for them. But I mean, for, for us, like as bow hunters in Kentucky, I mean, gun season isn't until what the second week in November. And like, I know the farm that I have permission on, they've got, a cornfield that those deer just tear up like an entire corner. And if, you know, somebody's going to go out there with a gun, they've already taken that corn out. Like it's gone and harvested and, you know, whatever. So if for a bow hunter to be able to get out there before that and stop some of these deer from tearing up that crop, like that's, yeah, you're right. That that's something that yeah, I, hadn't I didn't really, hadn't really thought I didn't of, even but. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't really even think about it from that aspect. That was pretty spot on. Um, yeah, I feel like we definitely went down a rabbit hole of, of the, the property for aspect. But... For sure. Um, but, well, to transition from that in like what I was talking about going in and out and off these properties and taking your stuff uh, with you, I wanted to, like, I guess, add on to the, the practice aspect of using your gear. Um and getting out and, you know, whether it's just going up and down the tree a couple of times, um, getting a good feel for everything, checking for safety stuff. Um, I mean, if you're anything like us, you get a, a couple new pieces of gear every single year. So, you know, the stand and sticks that I've got right now, um, haven't been in a tree yet. So I need to get out there and, and practice with this new system that, um, I have and, make sure that one, I like it and two, that I'm efficient and effective with it. Um, and mo there's a lot of people that don't do that. They're, they just, you know, <laughs> they throw they their stand in a, in a corner in the garage and then, you know, opener of next year and they pick it up and take it back out. And, um, that's part, all part of the game is, is being efficient with your system and, I know that that's something that I'm focused on this year and uh, it definitely helps with like just longevity of, of hunts and stuff um, and of the season, like the quicker that you can be the, the less tedious stuff that you have to worry about. Like you just, 
it's more fun. You can enjoy yourself, enjoy the season um, and stuff like that. And so practice in right now so that yep. you're not, you're not, you know, fumbling around on opening day when you get to a tree in the dark and you, <laughs> you're like, oh crap, I took this off this, my stand to use it somewhere else and forgot to put it back. You know, you're, right. you're not going to have any of those sort of issues. Um, I mean, you, you touched on it, just like having a system, I think is the most important thing about like this kind of, of hunting is like having your system down, like, so you can not just set up good, but tear down also, I mean, tearing down and being able to, to be able to have a place where you're going to put everything. So if you're trying to slip out of the woods and be quiet, you're not jingling, you know, all the way down the trail. Um, that was one of my biggest things I hated about, uh, having a climber was at the end of the day, clinking and clanging everything together. Um, I just wasn't a fan of it now, like whether I'm hunting with a stand or I'm hunting with a saddle setup, everything has its place. Like literally everything in my pack, I could, I could grab it, uh, in the middle of the dark and I understand where everything is. Um, I think that's, that's a major thing. If you have a backpack, whether you have a small backpack or a big backpack, uh, try to clear out what you got in there. Um, do you actually need everything for every part of the season? No, you really don't. Uh, I mean, my dad was one of those people that had so much stuff in his pack. I'm like, dude, this pack weighs like 20 pounds in itself. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And it was no wonder why, you know, he didn't go as far back in the woods because, I mean, literally he couldn't because you're, you're like – out of gas by the time you go like four or five hundred yards you're like yeah okay i'm gonna set up somewhere around here but yeah i mean that's that's something that i've definitely learned uh to find the balance with when i started going out west to hunt is like the stuff that you should be carrying and the stuff that you can't carry um, right and you you've really got to thin down because ounces equal pounds and you know you think oh well maybe I could use this at some point. And then you're like, Oh, well, you know, I may need this if this happens or, you know, I could use this in this situation. It's like you, you know why you're going into the woods, you know, exactly what you're going to do. Um, that's all part of what we've talked about with creating a plan and attacking. Like you have a purpose and you know exactly what you're going to do which means you know exactly what you're going to need to do it. And I know that uh, I really like what Cody says, uh, Cody DeQuisto, about what you should have in your pack. It's like if you haven't used it in the last – toss it. Like That's there's right. no reason that you need it in there. And if you do, Next. most of us aren't hunting more than what, like a mile, mile and a half maybe like from the truck. Leave it in the truck you don't need to carry it. You can walk back right. and get it. If it's, if it's something that's, you know, necessary. Um, exactly. Exactly. I mean, what do you really need per hunt? Binoculars, yeah. a rangefinder. Some people don't even need a rangefinder if you're hunting thick woods. Um, your, your release, uh, a heart, a safety harness. I mean, if you, if you want to use one, um, I recommend every, all of our listeners, uh, you know, put safety first uh, from somebody that has fallen out of a tree stand. Um, I had a, I had a harness save my life pretty much. So just to touch on that, I'm not going to get in depth with that, but, um, 
you know, that's part of why I switched to the saddle setup. I'll be dead honest with you. A lot of, you know, a lot of guys don't like the saddle. Um, I think it's gaining a lot more popularity, but I, I actually use it because it's a safer way to hunt personally. Um, I think I'm always connected to the tree. Now I know you can be connected, uh, with, you know, a harness and stuff the same way. But for me, I never cared for having the straps uh, over my shoulders, and I always felt like it was extra bulk. And nowadays, they have a lot more stuff, you know, like there's a lot of different methods you can use. Um, but it's it's really, you know, not to, not to go down a, a trail on that, but it really comes down to figure out what system works best for you and practice with it, um, practice tearing it down, practice setting it up, um, practice shooting your bow out of it. And, um, I really hope, uh, you know, if y'all are still listening that, uh, this, this has, uh, helped you in some kind of way. Um, if, if there's anything, you know, that you'd like us to touch on in the, in the next episode or in, in the future, let us know, reach out to us, uh, on Instagram at running and gunning out or uh, running and gunning podcast. Um, we'd love to hear from you good or bad. Uh, just let us know how we're doing. Um, had a great time today. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on Logan? Yeah, I think, uh, we touched on it a little bit last podcast for ourselves, but I think that, uh, need to kind of take a look at themselves and decide on what they want their goals to be for this year. Um, and now's the time to do it. Uh, that way you can start moving towards those and preparing to accomplish them. Um, and that's the only way that it's going to happen is you've got to get real clear on what you want and then take some action and make it happen. And I think that with all the information and stuff that's out there, um, the stuff that we're going to provide here through the season, like that uh, you're going to be able to accomplish whatever it is that you set your mind to. Amen. I, I can't wait, man. We're, uh, we're going to try and bring a, a guest on here soon and, um, you know, get some different voices on here and, and try to get some different perspectives on things and everything else. But, uh, I appreciate you all listening to this episode and, uh, we hope you tune back in for episode three. Uh, Thank hope you. you all have a great one. All right. Thanks again for tuning in to the Running and Gunning Podcast. We really appreciate your support and you tuning in today. We want to end this segment with a special thanks to our partner, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. If you need anything mobile hunting related, stands, sticks, or just some cool swag, check out their website at lonewolfcustomgear.com. And I want to end this segment with a special quote from Fred Bear. He says, A hunt based only on trophies taken falls far short of what the ultimate goal should be. I hope this finds you all well today and hope you have a great weekend. Thanks again.